Hey everyone, this is Amanda, and I just want to say thank you. Thank you for supporting Built for Impact. It would mean the world if you could take just a second, literally a second, to give us a rating on iTunes. That would be hugely appreciated. But more than anything, I just want to say thank you for your support. We want to keep bringing you stories from amazing leaders and founders that will challenge and inspire you. And this is one way that we can do that. Now on with our show. My grandmother used to say that she would she would say, "Well, you've got to decide whether you're going to laugh or whether you're going to cry. You can do either one, but it's a choice." And uh, in our family, we choose most of the time to to find what's funny. It really is a decision that you make. You you decide whether you're going to move forward with laughter or with tears. You decide whether you're going to move forward with boldness or with fear. From Evergreen Results, this is Built for Impact, a show about mission-minded entrepreneurs, founders, and leaders, and the stories behind the impact they're making. I'm Amanda Bosick, and on the show today, how John Branion built his career as a comedian standing on a mountain of failure and poking fun at it. Are you laughing through 2020 or crying through 2020? John Branion believes that humor is a weapon to destroy pain and suffering. In any situation, he chooses to laugh anyway. He has spent 30 years building his career in comedy. He is an author, speaker, podcaster, and inventor of the comedy writing system, Active Notebook. John's Shakespeare-inspired version of The Three Little Pigs has been turned into multiple viral videos. But he tells us that his success is simply a mountain of failures and how he has learned to poke fun at his fear. As we near the end of 2020, I hope this conversation brings you perspective and, of course, I hope you laugh. Here's my conversation with comedian John Branion. John, I'm so excited to talk to you today. First of all, you're my first uh, comedian interview, so that's pretty exciting. But second of all, um, I'm a huge fan of humor and comedy and the joy that it brings, particularly in difficult times. So it's going to be really fun. And on top of that, we're celebrating Christmas. So it's Christmas. (laughs) So this is Christmas. We're we're celebrating Christmas. We're celebrating Christmas, but it's technically not Christmas Day. (laughs) Right. I I wanted to know if we were, I wanted to know if we were going to be completely honest with everybody about that. (laughs) We probably should. We probably should. I'm I'm not comfortable celebrating Christmas built on a a bed of deceit, and so <laughs> we're we're celebrating Christmas much like they do in the stores, where it's it's not even really close to Christmas, but we're acting like it is, and so <laughs> yes, that's true, that's so true, and I do feel like it gets earlier and earlier every year. Ah, <sighs> yeah, yeah, it does. Oh my goodness! Well, John, you have had. Quite the career. You have been building your um, comedy career for the past three decades. I don't know if you wanted me to actually say the amount of time, so I apologize if you didn't want me to give that away. But you've been doing this (laughs) for a long time now, and 
you've been quite successful at it. I will say, if anybody has not heard John, you definitely need to go. And I highly recommend looking up The Three Little Pigs. Um, But he's had a quarantine show, which is awesome. But John, can you share a little bit about your background and kind of what led you to comedy? I've especially always wondered for comedians, like how you figured out that this is what you should do. Well, I I am still trying to figure out if this is what I'm supposed to do with my life so that anybody who's... (laughs) You know, anybody who's at a crossroads and they're going, yeah, how do I how do I know that this is what I want to dedicate the rest of my life to? I'm still kind of at that place after mm. after 30 years in comedy. So so take heart. You don't have to know what you're doing to uh, to be successful at doing things. Yeah, I I did not intend to do this as a career. I didn't even know that it was possible to do it as a career. It was mm. uh, a hobby. It was an interest that yeah. I've had. From the time I was a kid, I've I've always liked making people laugh. When I was a mm. when I was a boy, I liked doing it, um, and so I stumbled into the possibility of doing stand up. I was watching somebody do stand up on television a few years ago, and uh, I turned to my wife and I said, "I think I'm as funny as that guy," and she said, <laughs> "I think you are too," and. And I said, I wonder how you do it. And so I called the comedy club and said, hey, how do I do comedy at your place? And I, I didn't know anything. I was completely ignorant of how comedy worked. Yeah. And so I, I got booked to do an open mic. I got my name on the list, went down and did an open mic. One thing led to another. Eventually, I was I got paid to MC at the comedy club in Indianapolis. And I had my day job. And I was making you know, 50 bucks a night on the side, yeah. uh, emceeing comedy shows. And that was it. I never thought that it was going to go any any further than that. I never had, you know, dreams of being the next big name in comedy or anything like that. I got a, I got a phone call from a guy who was a producer and a club owner out in uh, Phoenix. And he flew me out to Phoenix to headline the club for a week. And he decided that I was funny enough that we were, he wanted to build a one-man show around my material. And that was, that was how I became full-time. He started paying me uh, weekly to, at that time, fly to Tulsa and do a show in a theater. And that, wow. was, how I, that was how I got launched into the full-time gig. So, you know, I tell people that the full-time comedy is not a thing that you should actually pursue. <laughs> it's not a thing that you should you should try to do. You should hold on to your day job with both hands. <laughs> with uh, both hands. <laughs> tightly uh, until it becomes apparent that there is that there is no way to do both. And mm-hmm. that was what happened to me. I got to the point where I was I felt like I was taking advantage of my day job people. They were very nice to me and let me have time off every single week to go and do this show. And it just got to the point where it's like, I can't do both of these things. Yeah. So, yeah, I love that. So I'm just trying to picture like you at the beginning, you're just getting into this. And um, did you ever have like what you would call like a big flop of a, like a a routine or, you know, especially feeling like, am I good at this? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I think those are the questions I ask myself, you know, this imposter syndrome, I guess, is what I'm, I'm getting at. All, uh, yeah, everybody is an imposter when they start out. All successful comedians are standing atop a mountain of failure. That's mm. the only way to, it's the only way to become a, 
a good comic mm. um, is to is to fail and fail and fail and fail. I know I have notebooks full of material that doesn't work. <laughs> I have I have thousands and thousands of jokes that are not funny, uh, and I know that because I've tried them. Yeah, I've, I've stood yeah. on stage and tried to make people laugh, and this material just flat doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And that's that. There's no shortcut for that. That's right. called ex- experience. Yeah, and you can you can write a joke, or you can you can you can put a bit of comedy down in your notebook, and you can think, well, I think this is funny, but you don't really know for sure yeah. until you get up in front of a room full of people and see if they agree with you. Yeah, yeah. You know, comedy is is like everything else. I, I suppose it's a numbers game. You just you stay with it, and you you have bad nights, and you tell yourself, well, that was a bad night. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that I'm a bad person, and it doesn't mean that mm. this can't work. It just yeah. means that you know I've had a bad night. Yeah. And eventually, you figure out what jokes do work, and you put those into your set. And you build a you build a routine based on the stuff that works, and it's a it's a slow process at the beginning because it, for me at least because I didn't know on stage there's this this weird thing happens to people most people when they get on stage and that is they become something other than who they really are. They mm. sort of uh, I had a, another comedian tell me when I when I first started out he was further along in the business. And he said, the hardest thing about stand-up is stripping away all of the stuff that we ladle on ourselves. Mm. Uh, We tell ourselves, this is what a comedian is, and this is what a comedian does. We take that onto the stage, and it's not real. It's it's fake. Uh, It's not really who you are. And so the hard thing is stripping all of that away and becoming who you actually are on stage. And when you can do that, then you can, that's when you start to take off. And I think he's right. It takes it takes a little while to figure out that when I go on stage, I'm not supposed to act like a comedian. I'm supposed to be who I am. Mm. That's that's how you connect with an audience. The audience isn't there to hear somebody tell jokes. They're here to connect with the person on stage. And you connect with them by telling real life stories about what really happened to you, what you really think. Uh, your actual point of view, and mm. the uh, the alternative than how how most people start out is they they think I'm going to go behind the microphone and I'm going to say funny things and the audience is going to laugh, uh, and it, it's it's at the same time not that complicated, and it really is as uh, it really is more difficult than that because right. the, the hard part is uh, is getting away from the idea of material. And just making friends with the people that you're talking to. Yeah. Man, there's so many rich lessons in what you just talked about. I I think one question that comes to my mind is as you are, you know, strengthening your skills and you're learning from, you know, failures, things that work, things that don't work. Is that something that you felt like? You know, being resilient like that, uh, knowing that it's not like who you are. This is what this is what you're doing. You know, not taking those things personally. Is that something you felt like you already knew and were good at? Like you were already resilient in that area, or is that something 
you had to kind of wrestle with and work through? Uh, that's a great question. I don't know for sure. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to know what you knew, you know. Yeah. Time, you, look, you look back. I'm 55 now, and I look back, and I go, I can't really remember what I knew when I was 30 mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and what I know now. You know, it's all sort of balled up together. <laughs> yeah. Um, yep. But I, I, I think that for, for me – uh, I grew up knowing that I was funny mm-hmm. because I, I I made I've made people laugh my whole life. So when it didn't work, when I got up on stage and I did material that didn't work, I I never really said, "Oh, it's because I'm not funny and I mm-hmm. shouldn't be doing this." Mm-hmm. I I always kind of knew, yeah, that that just. I didn't say it right, or for, for some reason there was a disconnect here, and what mm-hmm. I thought was funny, I didn't communicate it properly to them. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I wrote a book last year about how you can use comedy to make your whole life better. That's one of the things that I talk about is that God has given everybody a sense of humor, just mm-hmm. like he's given people a sense of hearing and a sense of eyesight mm-hmm. that we can that we can detect things. And your sense of humor uh, detects what's funny. And your sense of humor is always right. And it's also the only, uh, the only instrument that we have for determining humor. And mm-hmm. a lot of people will get up on stage and they'll tell a joke, or, or they'll not on stage, they'll tell a joke and people don't laugh. And so then they'll say, well, that wasn't funny. No, it, just because the majority of people don't see what's funny about it. Right. If if you think it's funny, then it's legitimately funny. Yeah. And that is that's an important principle for people to understand first, especially as as people become more and more anxious and our culture is more and more uncertain and we worry about things and mm. we we live in fear. Don't let other people not laughing. Don't take that as a sign that you were wrong. Uh, they just don't they just don't see it the way you do. Mm. That's that's so interesting and so good. I never thought of, I don't know why, but I never thought about this idea that like we've all been given a sense of humor. I mean, that that's actually like common sense. Like, <laughs> I don't know why I've never thought of it, but I think about my four-year-old. He's in this stage where he'll say, he, he thinks something's funny um, and he'll say like, that funny that silly mommy, like he questions it, you know? So it just reminds me, like, even at a young, young age, we question, like, if what we think is funny is really funny to someone else. Right. Well, it kids, kids are, uh, that, that's also in my book. I talk a lot about kids and how they are the perfect comedians uh, because <laughs> they are, they're fearless. They, they uh-huh. for the most part, they will say <clears throat> things and do things um, and they don't care whether or not anybody else yeah. uh, thinks it's funny. What what I do and what your son does is basically the same thing. I just have a bigger vocabulary than he does. <laughs> a much bigger vocabulary. Right. So you've been doing this now for a while and you're not an amateur anymore and you do have a much bigger vocabulary. <laughs> um, when you think about like your personal why and mission in doing comedy... Like, why, why do you do it beyond the fact that you're good at it? I actually do know the answer to this one. Uh, <laughs> the, the only thing that matters is the truth. Mm-hmm. And 
that that's the only thing that's worth talking about. It's the only thing that matters mm-hmm. uh, is is getting as close to we can uh, with the with what's true. And comedy is excellent for revealing the truth in a way that's uh, both entertaining and easy to remember. Mm. And so the reason that I do comedy is because I care about the truth and I care about communicating the truth. But at the same time, I want to communicate it and have it be uh, remembered. Yeah. Comedians are truth tellers. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the best comedians always telling the truth and they're Mm -hmm. making you laugh. But when you dig into it, what they're saying is always true. Mm. Um, If it's not true, then it's not funny. And that was Phyllis Diller that said that, not me. So. That's good. That's really good. So with this year, John, your job is to bring the truth via comedy. And normally that happens in a public place. So what has this year been like for you? Similar to everybody else's year. It's been a dumpster (laughs) fire. Uh, Mm. I saw a Christmas ornament that says it's a it's a dumpster with a fire in it, and you can hang it on your Christmas tree. It says 2020 on the side of the dumpster. And <laughs> I there's want a that. fire in it. <laughs> I do too. I think I'm going to get one. They're, they're kind of expensive, but gosh, it's such a great Christmas ornament. I mean, we do need an orma- ornament for this year. I do think everybody should get an ornament. Not like we're ever going to forget this year, but, <laughs> you know, to memorialize it. <laughs> Right. People are going to look back at 2020 and go, I can't remember how I felt about 2020. It's just a, I don't remember what my sentiments were in 2020. (laughs) The thing that is also true, and this is in my book as well, I'm just a wealth of wisdom, uh, (laughs) is that comedy is absolutely connected uh, to pain and suffering. Mm. And the reason that God invented humor and comedy is because there is suffering in the world mm. and humor is a weapon that that is used to uh, destroy suffering. Mm. Uh, laughter is is there for our benefit. Laughter is there for the year 2020. Yeah. And so nothing is happening to us this year that is not that, that we can't overcome uh, with with a proper sense of humor. Uh, and the the difficulty that we're running into is we have a couple of generations now that that don't know how to use humor. They they take themselves entirely too seriously. Mm. We have we have millions of people who genuinely believe that what they do and think uh, matters in some significant uh, scale, and it really doesn't. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we're told that the purpose of man is to uh, act justly, to love mercy, and mm-hmm. to walk with God. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And so everything else that we do, everything becomes kind of a joke. Everything is sort of a, is sort of a wink and sort of a tongue-in-cheek uh, activity. You know, whether we're mm-hmm. our jobs, you know, our families, our, our relationships, all of that. Not that those things are not are, are completely unimportant, right? Um, because those are uh, those are those are symptoms of how closely we're walking with our Creator. At the end of the day, you know, and at the end of the year, at the end of 2020, this has just been ripe with opportunities for laughter. Mm. Uh, and if you're if you're laughing through 2020, 
then you are experiencing uh, the, the blessings that are here. But if you're, if you're crying about 2020 or if you're worried that 2020 is not going to be okay or 2021 is not going to be okay, then uh, your perspective's off. Mm, that's so good. Being able to look at situations from a different lens and being able to laugh about it. I mean, there, there is so much to laugh about this year. That's for sure. Right. Well, and, and it's people kind of understand that there are some, that there's some silly, insignificant events that happen. You know, your cat mm-hmm. scoots something off the table and we can laugh at that and, and all that <laughs> sort of stuff. But, but the real power in humor comes when you bring it to bear on, on actual tragedy, on actual yeah. suffering. I mean, cataclysmic yeah. suffering. That's the place where it requires uh, some courage mm-hmm. to go in there and try to bring humor because you absolutely will be misunderstood. Mm-hmm. People will will misunderstand what you're trying to do if you, you know, quote, make light of serious situations. Right. And and so I'm I sort of am on a crusade to encourage people who would be funny people to to take heart and be bold in mm. that because 2020 has some genuine real suffering going on. There yeah. are people who are who are genuinely suffering. Yeah. And it's going to take more than just a a cat meme mm-hmm. to cheer them up. It's mm-hmm. going to take you're actually going to have to get at the root of what's uh, what's causing them anxiety and suffering, and mm-hmm. and then make fun of that. You're going to have to poke fun at the thing that is causing the pain, mm. and that takes guts. Yeah, it it absolutely does. But I I love this idea that it's being rooted in in suffering. So when you look back, um, whether it's this year or another time, like what's a moment that you can recall where it was a it was a really painful time and you were able to turn that into something really successful and funny oh well there's basically everything that's in my act at some point was a was a suffering there was some pain somewhere mm-hmm. um, and so every joke in my act points back to something that was a a tragedy, either a minor or a major one. So I I try to to live my life with the same perspective that I preach, and that is that when something is something is going wrong in your life, it's going to be a great story. And so yes, you're going to pay a price for that in sometimes money and, and certainly in in suffering and mm-hmm. uh, and feelings and emotion. Mm-hmm. But you're going to have a story. That's that's so true and so good. And what great advice to be able to say, you know, when you're going through something really difficult to just picture yourself in the future outside of that time, looking back and, and thinking about that story, you know, that gives you strength to get through it. Right. Here's, here's the other thing. We, we have this idea that people want to see us at our best. Mm. You know, we want to put our best foot forward because we want to we want to present our best possible selves. People aren't interested in our best. People want to see the failures. Mm-hmm. That there's you go online and you start looking at YouTube videos. There are 
thousands of what they call fail videos or mm -hmm. compilations of people wiping out and falling down and dropping things and uh, and, and things going wrong. Yeah. There are no success compilation videos. <sighs> you don't you don't see people, you know, in video after video going up and getting trophies and taking bows and having roses thrown at them. There's <laughs> yeah. it's the failures that people want to see. Those are the most interesting stories. Yeah. Uh, once I got that perspective, mm. it, it made life easier too because I realized look, this is what people want to see. My whole my whole yeah. stand up act is basically a testimony to how inept I am. <laughs> that's the that's what the best stand ups do is yeah. they go up and they talk about how they don't understand things. I don't understand relationships. I don't know how to fix cars. I don't know everything I touch, I destroy. My life has just been a series of, of casualties and failure upon failure upon failure. And that's what resonates with the audience. Hmm. Uh, and why is that? I think it's because everybody understands at some basic level that we're all afraid to fail. Hmm. And, and here's a guy who gets up and talks about his failures and it's hilarious and it's like, well, I could do that too. I've got, I can top that guy. That guy hit a deer and broke a tie rod. You know, I can top that story. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. That's so true. Hey everyone, I hope you're enjoying this conversation. I just want to take a quick moment to ask you a favor. Adam and I are going to plan a special episode where we answer any of your questions. So if you could send in any questions you have, it could be entrepreneurship, leadership, marketing, nonprofits, working with your spouse, <laughs> whatever it is that's on your mind, we want to answer your questions. So you can send them to us at amanda at evergreenresults.com or you can post them on any of our social media accounts. That's Evergreen Results at Facebook and Evergreen Results on Instagram. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of the show with John. When you think about your career, what's one of the proudest moments you have? Well, I think probably the proudest moment I had, it's, can't really call it the proudest moment, but, but the, the moment that I remember having a, uh, a life-changing revelation mm -hmm. was early on a show at a club. Mm -hmm. And at a club show, there was, there's three comics. And there's, a, there's an MC, there's a feature act, a middle guy, and then there's a headliner. Mm -hmm. And I was MC that night. So I was the low man on the totem pole. And I did my show. And afterwards, I was standing in the back of the room, and the feature and the headliner were back there. And people are filing out as they do, and they're talking to the other comics, and they're shaking hands, and it's all good. And the lady comes over to me, and she's crying. She has tears in her eyes. And I'm like, uh-oh, something's, something's going on here. <laughs> and she said, she, she says to me, I wanted to thank you for what you said tonight. And so I start replaying my act in my head. What did I say? What did I? And I, yeah. I didn't say anything. I just did my my normal act. And she said, she said my father passed away last week, and I really needed to hear what you said tonight. Um, so thank you. Mm. And so again, I'm I'm trying to figure out what I had said, and on the way home it, it hit me. So I'm driving home and I'm asking God, okay, what? What is going on here? What, why, what was that lady talking about? And then it hit me. It's like there is something that comes off of 
uh, of believers. There is there is a spirit, there's an aura, whatever you want to call it, but there's something something got communicated to that woman that that was not me. Mm-hmm. Something something other than me was speaking to her. And she didn't even understand. I didn't understand what it was. Neither one of us understood what it was. Mm-hmm. But she felt something. And so she came up and said said what she said to me, thanked me for talking to her. Do you know what a tremendous risk it is to walk up to a comedian in a comedy club uh, and and to cry and to mm. share something like my father passed away last week? That is such a dangerous thing to say right. to a comedian. Right. Because, you know, I could have... I could have absolutely sliced her to ribbons. You know, she doesn't mm-hmm. know who I am. Mm-hmm. But she felt at some, some, like it was going to be okay to do that. And so I said, I said to God, okay, I think I get this. It it really doesn't have anything to do with me, does it? It's it's a, um, this is this is your work. You're doing a thing, and I'm just the guy holding the microphone. Mm. Um, and so that that fundamentally changed the way i go on stage mm. and i don't i i don't go up there with the idea that that i'm going to you know i'm going to rock the room and everybody's going to be you know talking about me and all cuz i don't know i can't control any of that the, yeah. the you know what people take away the people's perception that that's that's out of my hands that's so neat. That's so neat. You use a lot of um like Shakespeare in your uh comedy. Like where did that come from? Where did that start? Just a love of Shakespeare? No. Uh No. <laughs> no. The the Three Little Pigs is the only time that Shakespeare ever shows up in my act. Mm-hmm. And Comedy is all about contrast. Yeah. So when you've got when you've got one thing that is not like another thing, and you put those two things together, that is the essence of comedy. Yeah. And so I was reading uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, and I got to a part in the book where a lady came into the room, and the gentleman in the room basically stood up and said hello to her. But the way that the way that they said howdy do in that book was so it took a paragraph and a half for them to basically say hello and i i thought gosh i'm not smart enough to be alive during this time because everybody has this vocabulary this vernacular the way they talk to each other is so it's so verbose mm-hmm. um it, it it just struck me as you know as significant and yeah. I thought, man, what would it? What would a children's book be like? I mean, how, how did the kids talk? If you were going to write a kids' book for that for that time period, and and that's where the three little pigs came from. It just hit me <laughs> that if you if you took that simple three little pig story and tricked it up with English like they used back in you know in that time, yeah, then you would have something that would be yeah uh, potentially funny. Now I didn't have any confidence in the three little pigs when I first wrote it. It was in my notebook for years mm-hmm. before I got the guts to try it because my instincts wow. told me it's yeah it's too long uh the audience isn't going to stay with you it's it's dumb uh I I had all sorts huh. of reasons for not using it well isn't that fascinating in and of itself you know now it's been 
it's been monolithically successful, way, yeah. way more than I anticipated. So what and, what was that thing that, like, what was that tipping point that made you say, okay, I'm going to try this. Let's see how it goes. Well, I have a rule of thumb that when I go on stage, I try to do something new every single night. So I mm. try to do something I haven't done before. Yeah. And so it was really just dumb luck. I said, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do the first line from this Three Pigs story. Uh, I'm going to set it up with, yeah, I'm not smart enough to to say hello to, to people. <laughs> and then I'm going to do the first line of the story. And here's what I thought was going to happen, Amanda. I thought, they're going to stare at me. I'm going to, I'm going to tell the first line. They're going to stare at me like I just fell from outer space. And then I'm going to, I'm going to move on. I'm just going to go and do something. I'll, I'll do some regular material and we'll forget that this ever happened. I was confident that it wasn't going to work. And so I did the opening line and there was an ovation. They were like, they were applauded. <laughs> yeah. And I said, I, I was dumbstruck. I, I remember going, Really? I, I said, really? Into the microphone. <laughs> and they were hooting and hollering. And I said, well, I, I kind of know the rest of the story. Do you want to hear it? And they were like, yes! <laughs> and and I didn't know it all real well. I, I was not prepared right. to have it work. Right. So, so I sort of fumbled through it, and I stumbled through it, and I butchered it. It was, it was not good. And... And they laughed the whole time. They laughed all the way through it. And I had another comic with me uh, when I did that. And on the way home, I said to him, you know, I didn't perform that well at all. It was it was a train wreck. But they laughed through the whole thing. I said, if I, if I actually polish this and memorize it, I think this could be a good bit. Yeah. So. I love that. I mean, whether we're talking about like learning from failures, learning from things that don't work, or or talking about the very fact that you commit to trying something new in every um, show that you do, I think is wonderful. And what a both of those are such great life lessons. So just we should be trying things, throwing things out there, seeing what sticks, seeing what doesn't stick. Like life is like this laboratory where this, it can be fun laboratory of figuring out what works and what doesn't work and how awesome when we get totally surprised. Yeah. Well, the, the advantage of using humor, having, having humor be the gauge of success or failure is that when things don't work, they actually do work because remember we're looking for failures. We're looking for yeah. we're looking for train wrecks and humor. Yeah. And so when you have something that is an absolute disaster, it's like, okay, now there's there's something here we can use. Yeah. Yeah. So really your perspective on this whole year is like this year is chock full of things I can use. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love it. Well, and everything, you know, the, the promise of the vaccine, you know, masks, social distancing, for crying out loud, social distancing is hilarious. The idea that... <laughs> it is. It really the is. The idea that, you know, we're going to be safe if we're, right now we're in danger because we're five feet apart. But if we move six feet apart, everything's <laughs> going to be okay. <laughs> Laugh anyway. I love that. Um, that. That's almost like, that could almost be like the... Um, uh, 
like theme or like tagline of the year for 2020 laugh anyway <laughs> yeah well my, my grandmother used to say that she would she would say well you've got any uh, anytime something happens she would say well you gotta you gotta decide whether you're gonna laugh or whether you're gonna cry you can do either one um but it's a choice you, you choose and uh, in our family we choose most of the time to to find what's funny and to laugh at it I love that perspective. So, John, we're at the end of the year, and we're on Christmas, actually. Yeah, right? yeah. Did you forget? This is <laughs> I might Christmas. I might have. Yeah. We're we're celebrating Christmas, um, and you know, this is a time when there's tends to be a lot of reflection um, for for people. Can you, if you were to give one piece of advice? At the end of this year, on this beautiful Christmas day, uh-huh. uh, what would that piece of advice be for our listeners? Well, if if we're going to talk about the end of the year, then it's significant that it is the end of the year. Uh, <laughs> it's it's over. There's nothing we can do about 2020. <laughs> um, and it doesn't make any sense to obsess over things that mistakes or regrets or whatever. Regrets mm-hmm. make Regret makes no sense ever. And the the truth is that 2021, January 1st, 2021, is just another day. Yes. All of the significance that we add to New Year's Day, it's like we're turning over a new leaf. It's a brand new page. We can start all over again. Mm-hmm. That's true every single moment. Every single moment. Not yeah. not just every day, but yeah. every moment. Yeah. Like this 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 second that we are having this conversation is already gone. It's, mm. it's already gone. Yeah. Everything is in the past and we don't know what the future is. And so it really is a decision that you make. You, you decide whether you're going to move forward with laughter or with tears. You decide mm. whether you're going to move forward with boldness or with fear. And you are an imposter, I guess, to use your term. It's like, I, I am afraid sometimes. So I pretend that I'm not. And uh, one of the advantages that I have uh, being a being a comedian and being tapped into my my sense of humor is that when I start to get afraid of things, then I just go, okay, it's time to start making fun of this thing that I'm afraid of. Yeah. And I guess that's the advice that I would have is is start being bold enough to make fun of whatever it is mm. that's making you unhappy. Yeah. You know, don't be afraid of it. Don't yeah. don't let it push you down into a corner and and keep you silent. You need to rise up and whatever it is. Uh, yeah. Make fun of it. Yeah. Laugh anyway. Yeah, laugh anyway. I love it. I love it. John, can you tell our listeners um how they can stay in touch with you, watch your watch your comedy routines which are awesome everybody. Can you just kind of tell them where they can go to uh, stay in touch. So you go to johnbrandian.com and that is basically a portal to everything else in my universe. I've got a blog, I've got a podcast, uh, my social media. I have recently ditched Facebook because uh, it's terrible. (laughs) I love it. John, thank you so much. Merry, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. God (laughs) bless us, everyone. (laughs) I thank you for bringing 
humor and laughter. It's medicine. So Absolutely. Well, thanks for interviewing me. I appreciate it. I appreciate it so much. Thank you, John. That's comedian John Branion. You can learn more about John and watch some of his comedy at johnbranion.com. You can also follow him on Parlor, MeWe, and YouTube. If you want to hear more stories of incredible people, organizations, and impact, you can hear all of our past interviews at evergreenresults.com slash buildforimpact or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Evergreen Results, a full-service marketing agency that helps purpose-driven organizations scale and sustain impact. You can find us on the web at evergreenresults.com. Thanks for listening. Stay inspired, and I'll see you right back here next week.